Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film Fans Podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. It's been a, it's been a great year for movies. Uh, most yeah. years are, because <laughs> movies are awesome. Movies are awesome. Yes, in fact, we will be talking about the best movies of 2022 on today's podcast. Uh, we'll have to break this up into two different episodes so we have time to talk about. Uh, but so you got the part one this week. You'll also uh, get uh, Rob's New Year's movie resolutions. And we'll just take a moment and examine what a year it was at the box office. Uh, of course, we'll, we'll do our box office update and our watch list. Uh, so let's begin with the box office update. Uh, tops for the fourth straight week no surprise at all avatar the way of water 45.8 million dollars uh it has now made 517.6 million dollars domestically in its one month in the box office uh number two this week uh first week in the box office is megan at 30.4 million dollars puss in boots came in Third in its third week, $13.5 million. Uh, a Man Called Otto has had a limited run, but has still done quite well. Uh, and that's uh, $4.2 million that it's made. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever rounds out our top five with $3.5 million uh, for a total of $445 million. Uh, so that's our top five. Uh, Rob, what do you make of the box office from this past weekend? So um, I'm, you know, we, we've said over and over again how horror movies, if they're done well, have a built-in audience. But even so, I think um, over $30 million for Megan is pretty impressive. I was not yeah. expecting that. I did not, I did not anticipate that seeing, um, how the movie was being marketed, but um, I'm actually going to see that tomorrow night. Mm. So that, that may have, uh, that maybe should have been in my top 10 list (laughs) (laughs) based on how I'm seeing it's being received. Um, But I guess we'll have to find out after I go watch it because we're going over our list starting tonight. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll displace something in my top five. Well, it shouldn't be able to because it technically is a 2023 (laughs) movie. So you'll just you might have to wait and reserve it for a spot for for next year's list. True, true. Yeah, yeah. That one's the one that pops out at me the most. Uh, That is pretty eye opening figure for a movie along those lines. I mean, I would have thought that like 15 to 20 million would have been an excellent number for that that particular film to do 30 is is pretty good um i think probably it's a slight contributions in the fact that if you've already seen avatar uh there's not a whole lot of competition not a whole lot else out there but as we've talked about many many times in this podcast there does seem to be a very good um steady audience for horror films even one that's probably a little bit more thriller slash horror um, but yeah, it's really, yeah, it was well done. 
Um, again, not a huge, huge drop off for Avatar um, in its fourth week to still be pulling down 45 million. Uh, so that was, still has plenty of life left in it in terms of its box office run. Um, don't know if it'll end up staying in as long as Top Gun Maverick, but uh, it's uh, it's quite the run. Yeah, considering uh, 45 million would be like an amazing week for almost any other movie yeah. as its first week. <laughs> Sure. And it's this fourth week. It's mm-hmm. it's doing quite well. I think it's gonna last for a little while. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um I don't think I have any other specific comments about this week's box office. You got anything else? Nope. All right. So opening this weekend, and I'm gonna explain why a man called Otto is on here again. Um, I talked about it a little bit last week, uh, but a man called Otto is on the list because it has gotten a wider release as of this weekend so it's kind of technically it's opening weekend sort of um but this is again this is a movie starring tom hanks and otto is a grump who's given up on life following the loss of his wife and wants to end it all when a young family moves in nearby he meets his match in a quick-witted Marisol, leading to a friendship that turns his world around. Um, and this is uh, based, it's kind of a remake of the of the book, uh, A Man Called Ova by Frederick Bachman. Uh, so it's getting a wider release in more theaters this weekend. Uh, so it's kind of classified as opening weekend. So I thought we'd talk about it again. Uh, next up is House Party. And House Party... Um, will star uh, Andrew Santino, Tosin Cole, Jacob Lattimore. And this is a high school student decides to host a house party while his parents are away. And this is a, a remake of the 1990 classic comedy, of course, by the same name, House Party. Uh, and third on our list, we have Plane. You know, in the long line of very, very simplistic titles. <laughs> plane and the plane um this is gerard butler and uh, daniela pineda and this is a pilot finds himself caught in a war zone after he's forced to land his commercial aircraft during a terrible storm all right rob three different kind of movies in the box office opening this weekend what do you make of it uh, I think that I'd probably be most interested in seeing Plane, mm-hmm. which I didn't know existed until right now. <laughs> uh, I've seen one or two trailers for it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I like Gerard Butler. He's a he's a very serviceable actor. I wouldn't mm-hmm. call him a great actor, but <laughs> I tend to enjoy the things he's in. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure I'll like Plane if I get the chance to see it. Um, I'm intrigued uh, by a man called Otto because uh, one, it's Tom Hanks. Two, I, as I said last week uh, on the solo podcast, is that I have read some other Frederick Bachman novels and have found them interesting. Uh, so I would be intrigued by a man called Otto. And uh, I'm in the mood for that type of movie, I think. Uh, so I might, uh, I might really try to go see that one this week. Uh, mm-hmm. House Party is a is going to be fascinating because something I'm going to talk about a little bit later. It's a true comedy, like an actual comedy. 
like there was a comedy movie that's coming out in the box office. I, I, I can't even tell you the last comedy, legitimate comedy that came out in the box office. I mean, you've had movies that are like action comedies or like drama comedies or, but an actual honest comedy. So that's fascinating too. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's what we've got in the box office. A Man Called Auto, House Party, Plane, plus all of the other stuff that's been out. But now let's get to our discussion. And um, on last week's podcast that I did solo, I did a few New Year's movie resolutions. And so we're going to revisit this topic very quickly uh, so that Rob can give us, uh, I know he's got at least one, new year's resolution for movies and then i'm going to tell you one that i forgot from last week so rob what is your new year's movie resolution so uh, i i decided that i don't watch nearly enough movies yet <laughs> so, um excellent. So, I, i've decided that i'm going to ask a different person every week so 52 different people um to recommend a movie for me and i will watch it no matter what they say and given people's rather eclectic tastes in movies it could lead to some very interesting results in fact some people that i know have already told me they are going to intentionally recommend a movie they think is terrible because they want me to suffer so <laughs> i think you need new people in your life <laughs> yeah i mean you can't choose your co-workers so um i i am looking forward to it i've already started this uh process i watched jeremiah johnson um, the first week recommended to me by one of the doctors at work. Um, I'll be watching a movie called Moliere this week. Um, and I'll be watching a movie called As Above, So Below next week. So we've got a, quite a wide variety. Um, an, another tangentially related um, new movie resolution is that I'm going, I have an app for it. And I'm going to try and track every movie I watch this year mm-hmm. um, and keep a running list of what I've actually watched. Uh because I have done that in the past, but I did not do it this last year. And I'd like to kind of get back to that and also back to um, doing some rating of movies. So I've got to revisit um, my system and how I want to do that. And what's the best approach for me, but I want to have some kind of um, subjective way to look at what I've seen over the course of the year also. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like those. Those are good. I uh... Uh, also uh, yeah. another one is, I, I resolve to write at least one thing that actually gets on the film for fans website. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so one that I forgot last, uh, last time when I was giving mine is um, I commit to, uh, and I'm half committing for Rob too. I commit that we will attempt to watch all of the best picture nominees this year. So he can provide mm. like, actually legitimate coverage of the oscar nominees even though i'm probably going to hate myself for having to watch some of these films <laughs> um i figure we'll we'll divide them up in some some way shape or form so we can give actual coverage and a breakdown of it other than like this movie looks stupid i'm not watching it um <laughs> so that's uh that's one that's on the list for me and uh I haven't decided there's another one that I'll talk about during the watch list that I haven't decided whether I'm actually going to do it or if I'll just do it when I want to. But uh, there's one that I could have as a resolution similar to, to the one that Rob has. Um, mm. 
but I'll talk about that later. All right, so that's our New Year's resolutions revisited. Uh, so now let's get to our review of 2022. And I thought we'd start out by just giving our general thoughts on this year in this past year in movies. Um, what what did you think? What are your general thoughts? And then we'll get into like trends or specific observations. Um, I guess my m- most broad observation would be that I, um, looking at my list, um, found a lot of movies I liked in a lot of very different genres mm. this year. So I thought there were some excellent movies in a very wide range of um, disciplines. And I know that for me, I this was probably the first year that I truly um, did some more exploration in the horror space because I had a friend to actually watch those movies with. Um, and so it, it was it was pretty um, eye opening for me to see some of those movies and maybe catch some things that I might not have seen otherwise. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think that, like I said, in general, I just think there was some real quality that came out in a broad spectrum of uh, different kinds of movies this year. And I appreciated that the most about 2022. Hmm. I think uh, my general observations were it's, this was a tougher year for me to get to the box office um, just in part because of having a new baby and because of, uh, the local theaters kind of shifted some times around and the times I normally went were no longer available. Um, so it's been more difficult. So I haven't gotten to see as many films in theaters as I would have liked to. Uh, but my general thoughts were like, in some ways the box office was back to normal. And in some ways it's still, it's still pretty weird. Uh, the back to normal part is, um, you're back to seeing big blockbuster movies make huge amounts of money. Uh, last year, there was one movie that cracked 400 million. Uh, there were, of course, there were none in 2020. And in 2019, uh, there were five. Uh, this year, we were back to we're back to four movies uh, made it to over 400 million dollars with a fifth coming really close in uh jurassic world dominion but Mm -hmm. avatar is still going that's you know that made over 400 million doctor strange made over 400 million black panther and of course top gun maverick uh so from that standpoint it seems like we're back to normal uh from that however the scheduling in 2022 was very very odd you would go weeks. I mean, there was there were several weeks in the middle of the summer where there was no really large releases, where the box office was full of stuff that's been out a month. Um, the same thing with right before Christmas. Uh, there were several just large blocks of time where there were just not regular movie openings. And that really, really surprised me because with all the delays and in the release of the films following 2020, I expected 2022 to be jam packed where they're just trying to get all these movies out. Uh, but that was not the case. Uh, it was a very strange release calendar. I thought this year. And so some of that still feels like we're adjusting back. Um, it also felt like normal because, uh, 
the direct to streaming model uh, kind of basically ceased for the most part in 2022. Uh, but it's different because we saw everything released on streaming significantly quicker than it did in 2019. Um, so we're seeing that model, like the time frame between something being in theaters and you being able to watch it uh, on one of the streaming services is very, very small now and has shrunk tremendously way faster uh, than we would have known uh, in 2019, for instance. <clears throat> Yeah, that's been yeah. that's been probably the biggest positive thing to come out of um, the situation in the world when it comes to movies is that the access to movies is much um, easier and more defined now than it was even like you said just a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. There's there's starting to be a little bit of a settling in terms of like. Um, these studios movies end up on this streaming service. And um, so there's a little bit more of a settled feel to it. Like a lot of times people make decisions and you've got to figure out the new technology and figure out the new framework. And at first it's wonky and they make bad decisions. Then eventually you land at some place that feels a little bit more steady and feasible. And I think that's kind of where we are now with that. Um, Another observation I'll make, and I, I made reference to this when we were talking about House Party, is comedy is basically dead in Hollywood. Um, that's that's something that continued in 2022. There were very, very scant, legitimate comedies that came out. And that's been our trend for a few years now. And that continues. I think Hollywood is just scared to make comedies anymore. Um, and... You know, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but um, that's another observation, I think. Um, okay. Do you have any other observations? Anything else you want to say about the year in general? Uh, I think that um, something that we saw throughout the course of the year um, and we mentioned the built-in like horror audience we've started to really see happen is that um, if you make a quality movie, people will go see it and people are willing to go back out to the theater. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we've even seen, um, I think there's tears to that. Um, I think the biggest example was Top Gun Maverick just the word of mouth of that movie and how wide that spread. Um, it started out strong and then just kept going and going and going. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that movie really may, might be responsible for getting a lot of people re-engaged with the theater. I think that was the first movie a lot of people came back to see in the theater. And I think that the fact that that happened, I think, directly led to a trickle of people coming out to other movies throughout the rest of the year. Um, and I, I think it should be commended for that. And I think it really surprised everyone mm. was that movie. That was the one that ended up doing that. Um, yeah. But the, the industry needed some movie to step in and be that. And uh, I think Top Gun Maverick was wherever you end up placing it in the, 
in your top movies of the year list. Um, for me, it was probably the most influential movie. I don't know if that means it was the best movie, but I think it was the most influential movie on yeah. the industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's good. That's good. I like that. Uh, what I would say on my last observation, I think, would just be, I think it was an up and down year for movies, uh, for especially for the bigger movies. You had some big franchises have really good releases. Some big franchises had some uneven releases. Um, there was a lot of decent movies, but they're back and forth as to um, some movies I would have thought would have been on my list. Uh, you know, after seeing them, turned out to not be. <laughs> and there were a few movies that I just don't know what to do with. <laughs> And we'll explain that more in the best of. So I think it was there was a really up and down trend, especially with some of the major the major releases this year. Okay, so without any further ado, let's get into our best movies of 2022. Uh, The best ones that we have now, how we'll work this is uh, we'll give some honorable mentions if we have any of those. Then we will work on our list back to front. So this week we'll do we will do ten through six on our top movies of the year. Uh, obviously, we will have different numbers on the list. Uh, so if a movie comes up in how we'll do this, if a movie comes up uh, that's in both of our bottom five, there, uh, whenever it first comes up, we can both talk about it. That way, we're not having to cover it twice. But if it's in your top five, then just wait. So that's how we'll kind of run run with it that way. Um, so let's start with Rob. Give me, uh, we don't have to talk about them a lot because they're honorable mentions, but what, what do you got in your honorable mentions? So I, as you know, uh, watch a lot of movies. Um, mm-hmm. And so does Ryan. That's why we have a podcast where we talk about movies because we tend to watch them. Um, so my top movie list of the year has 17 movies in it, which means there's seven (laughs) mentions because we only have a top 10. I'm going to start with the one that, um, is probably going to personally hurt Ryan because I know for a fact it's going to be in his top 10 and I'm going to guess it's going to be high in his top 10. (laughs) So, uh, bullet train was, um, I think that, It's a little difficult for me because I think if I watched it a couple more times, it would probably move up um, because I only saw it once. I really liked it, um, but there are other movies that I just liked more uh, throughout the course of the year. Um, Just running down the list of other ones I have in my honorable mentions, um, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which just came out uh, recently, Um, the movie Hustle. Um, I think this is one that probably a lot of people have not heard heard about. Um, it's a Netflix movie starring Adam Sandler about uh, professional basketball um, and about he plays a scout for the 76ers and it's about him going to find um, this uh, un- unknown gem uh, in Europe. And he's actually played by a current NBA player um, and uh, Juan Juancho Hernan Gomez is the basketball player who plays the character in this movie and it has a bunch of other nba players anthony edwards um from the minnesota <laughs> Timberwolves is the an- antagonist in this movie mm-hmm. uh, but 
one thing about me in sports movies is I have a hard time necessarily always connecting with them because it doesn't feel realistic. Yeah. Um, this movie is one of the better ones I've seen. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that it has professional basketball players in it for the majority um, of it. And it's, you can tell it's shot by people who understand the game of basketball and Adam Sandler has done a he'll make fun of him for um, some of the nonsense comedies he's done with Netflix, but he's also made a couple really good, um, more dramatic kind of movies uh, with that deal. And this is one of them, the movie Hustle. Um, I also have The Black Phone on my list, uh, Death on the Nile, The Batman, and Black Panther all made my honorable mention list. Um, I quite enjoyed The Batman, but I don't think it deserves to be in my top 10. So that's why it's um, an honorable mention. Um, So that's my seven honorable mentions. Nice. Uh, For me, I will start out my list with a caveat. Because I was not able to get to theater as much. um, Ordinarily, I have a long list of movies that I have to pick through in terms of and trying to figure out my list. Uh, So there are some major ones that I still haven't gotten around to seeing, unfortunately. Um, so that has to be a slight caveat in my list this year is I'm not as prepared as I would love to be on, on some of these. Uh, however, uh, my honorable mentions, I will put uh, a couple of documentaries on that, um, facing Nolan movie about, uh, uh, Nolan Ryan. It was really, really fascinating and I really enjoyed that. I believe that's a Netflix on Netflix, um, and uh, the documentary, What is a Woman?, um, which came out from Matt Walsh, which asked the question, What is a woman?" which seems to be a big question these days. Um, so that was another one on my honorable mentions list. And then I put um, Thor, Love and Thunder on my honorable mentions list. I didn't think it was ever it was definitely never in contention to make my uh, top list. Um, because of how uneven it was, uh, but I put it on uh, my honorable mentions because there were some things that I definitely liked about it. Um, and lastly, I'll go Avatar. I'm I just decided it was not going in my top ten just because I have too many issues with it. Um, but it deserves to get some acknowledgement because it is a visually fantastic film, and I just can't get past some of the other issues on it. So I had so many, like, I, I agree that it was a visually stunning movie, but um, I didn't even, it's not on my honorable mentions. It's not on my top 10 either. So, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. all, all the movies I mentioned in my honorable mentions, I would say I felt were more than okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's why they're on that list. Yeah, um, and my my honorable mentions is normally much deeper than this, but given yeah. my lack of movies this year, that's uh that's what we got. All right, so let's uh let's get into let's get into number 10. What do you have on your list at number 10? So at number 10 I have the movie Prey, which was actually released on Hulu um and is a prequel to the Predator series. Um focused on uh, Native American culture and first contact with uh, the Predator. Um, I have not seen all of the movies or all of the Alien vs. Predator movies uh, to give myself like a full background on it, but I have seen some. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a very well done 
um, entry into that series. And I felt at times was genuinely terrifying. Hmm. And I thought um, was just really well, well executed uh, for this kind of uh, subgenre of movies. So I would recommend watching if you do have Hulu um, movies called Prey. Um, one thing that stood out for me and one thing that was widely discussed is that it had a very realistic and true depiction of Native American culture. Uh, which has not really happened a whole lot in many movies. Um, definitely did not feel like a caricature of the culture like some movies have. Um, it felt like it was respectful of that. And I felt like the interaction between that culture and the science fiction element was really well done. So and mm. for me, it was Prey. Okay. Uh, number 10 for me is... Um... It's the first time I put a Netflix film on this one, and that would be uh, Operation Mincemeat. <clears throat> and this is uh, the based on the true story of a, um, a stealth plot to attempt to mislead the Germans about where invasions, the invasion of Italy was going to occur. Uh, so they went painstakingly through placing a dead body in a specific spot to be found by the Germans who would have false information. And they had to do all of these things in order to uh, make it seem believable to actually mislead the Germans. Uh, so operation mincemeat uh, was number mm -hmm. 10 for me. Uh, World war II story. Really, really interesting. Um, it's a great story about detail. If you love detail and how, and how detail makes a huge difference uh, this is the movie for you, like analyzing what would the note to his girlfriend in it that was in his pocket say, like, how would like, how is it supposed to be worded? Uh, what do we need to do to make it believable? Like all this type of stuff, and including like they had a hard time finding a corpse because it had to be just the right type of corpse who died just exactly the right type of way. Uh, so it was really, really interesting. Uh, yeah. So Operation Mince Meat. All right, All right, number nine. Number nine for me, I have uh, the bad guys. Uh -huh. Animated movie. Um, Sam Rockwell plays the big bad wolf okay. in this movie. Um, one thing I understand going into making these lists, uh, there's a slight differentiation between Ryan and I, in that I have a couple kids who are a little older, so we tend to watch animated movies, and I. I generally like animated movies, but um, my kids really want to go see them. So I'm more inclined to see some of these movies in the theater. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I found this one to be surprisingly um, interesting when it came to the anim animation style. And I thought the story was very well done. Uh, the performances were quite good. And I, I really like Sam Rockwell just in anything he does. Mm -hmm. And I, brought a lot of character um, and attitude to the character of the big bad wolf turned good. Um, so I would recommend, even if you don't necessarily normally check out animated movies, uh, the bad guys would be one that'd be worth uh, checking out. And I believe it was recently, and I believe still is on Netflix also. Um, so the bad guys. Nice. Nice. Um, for me, uh, number nine is uh, Nope. 
Nope is number nine for me. This is the Jordan Peele horror movie. This is actually one of the first Jordan Peele movies I've ever seen because he dwells heavily in the horror genre, and I am not a huge fan of horror. However, Nope seemed to me to be far more of a thriller, and it really was. It really called out kind of the the best of like the M Night Shyamalan, um, you know, even even like uh, the Quiet Place type type vibe to it so i think um it it definitely fell fell more on the thriller aspect of it um the suspense thriller uh than it did in the horror genre so that meant it it made it more accessible to me and so i was um i don't think it's a it's not like it's not amazing and earth shattering but it was engaging and it was really interesting and <clears throat> I enjoyed it. So uh, depending on what Jordan Peele puts out next, I may or may not see it depends on whether he uh, he trends completely into the horror with his next film or not. Uh, nope is also on my list, but it's not my bottom five. OK. All right. Uh, so that means we run up into number eight. Uh, number eight for me was Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Um, I. I don't think it was quite as good as Knives Out, uh, but I do think it was good enough to be in my top 10 um, for the year. And I think number eight is right about where I would think it belongs. Uh, Daniel Craig is phenomenal as this character. One thing I've said to um, several people is that uh, the fact that Daniel Craig, I can completely buy him 100% as James Bond mm-hmm. and I can by him 100% as Benoit Blanc um, speaks to what a fantastic actor he is because those are two incredibly different characters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't I don't think you... I, there's no doubt that he pulls off both of them yeah. um, with extreme skill. And I think Ryan Johnson has uh, really done superb work in creating this universe these characters and i look forward to seeing the next one they do as well um i think it was very good but uh i believe knives out i'd have to revisit our list but i think i had knives out very high Mm -hmm. uh, on my end of the year list when that came out Um, and i just don't have this one quite up to that level but i do think it was very good and definitely deserving of being in the top 10 for the year Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also had Glass Onion at number eight. So we are in complete agreement about this one. Um, I think my reasons are I I put it in the top 10 because I found it very entertaining when I watched it. And that's part of why you go see a movie. I, I'm I'm developing when I'm starting to do reviews, I'm starting to do a separate category for watchability. Because some movies that are not that great can be very watchable. Like Fast and Furious movies are not great movies, but they're very watchable. Mm-hmm. So I think this is one thing that Glass Onion had is it had a high level watchability. Um, I think I would say this. I, I, I don't think very highly of Netflix in general uh, in their movies in general, even though I, I engage with them a lot more this year than I have in the past. And I think they're getting better. Uh, but I definitely think they think they Netflixed it up a little bit with Glass Onion um, in terms of, uh, you know, just some of the some of the extra things they added or just felt a little different. Um, 
And I don't, I think they engaged a little bit more in some cliche in, in this one. Um, there's also one or two actors in this, in this one that I don't particularly enjoy, but that's my personal preference. That's not like any fault of the movie necessarily. Uh, but it was, it was engaging. It was, it was interesting. I enjoyed watching it. Um, and I do enjoy him in that role. Uh, as Blanc. Uh, I, I really do enjoy enjoy that role and that character, and he's interesting and engaging. Uh, Edward Norton is always good, so gotta love Edward Norton. And I'm glad they put it out in theaters. Um, my hope is that this will convince Netflix that more of their movies should be in theaters, and then maybe they would give a little bit more of a of a movie, you know, theater feel to them. So I'm I'm I was pleased that um, that they released in theaters. All right, number seven. All right, number seven for me is another Netflix movie, which means I have three in my top ten. Um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, ah. which um, I don't think got necessarily a huge amount of publicity that was coming out. I would say that the one on Disney Plus the uh like live action ish Pinocchio got more um publicity around it but I would say that this movie and it sounds blasphemous to say and I saw someone else say it on Reddit and I want just want to echo what they said that this is my favorite version of Pinocchio and yes that includes the original Disney <laughs> version of Pinocchio. Um Anyone who knows me has heard me talk about movies uh, knows that Guillermo del Toro is one, like one of my favorite directors in my top three directors. Um, he has not done a whole lot of work with animation, but you can certainly see his style in the animation. There's no doubting. Uh, see Guillermo del Toro movie. And it takes Pinocchio to just a place that I never would have expected. Um, if you have not seen this movie or know anything about it, let me just say that uh, Pinocchio ends up serving in the Italian youth under Mussolini. Um, <laughs> it's that kind of movie. Uh, but it is phenomenal. It's touching. Uh, it's beautiful visually. And it's very uh, emotionally taught. Um, so I would highly recommend, uh, if you only watch one animated movie this year, I know I already had the bad guys on this list, but if you had to choose only one to watch, I would make it Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is available on Netflix. And that's my number seven. Okay, excellent. Number seven for me. And as much as I bash Netflix movies, I also had several of them on there. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Hmm. Um, this one might have been higher on my list had I not had to watch it with German subtitles, <laughs> with English subtitles and German. I this is a personal contention for me, and there will be a lot of people who who very much disagree with me on this. I think subtitles detract from the movie watching experience. Um, I spend the entire movie reading the bottom of the screen rather than paying attention to everything that's happening and. It's too much divided attention for me. It's not that I can't do it. It's not that I don't enjoy the the films anyway. I just, 
it takes away from the experience for me. And this one took me several days to watch because I was watching them late at night and I was tired. And so like, you can only be a certain level of tired and watching a movie that you're having to read the subtitles for. Um, but really interesting, really gritty. Um, they really did a great job of getting down into the experience of these naive kids entering into World War One. And I remember reading the book in like, an entire Saturday when I was a kid because uh, I was late on my project and had to finish it that weekend and hadn't read the book. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I do remember reading this book. Uh, So number seven for me, All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, I did think they devoted plenty of energy and money and budget into making it feel like like legitimate battle and and World War One, which I was very pleased that they were able to do that. All right, and the last one for tonight, number six. What'd you get, Rob? Uh, number six for me is the Northman, which mm. um, I expect to show up at some point on your list, also. Um, but the so the Northman, uh, the reason why I have it at number six, I'm, I was a little torn on this movie because I think that subjectively i think it is just phenomenal um but i also recognize that this is a movie that might be really hard for some people to engage with yeah it is it is a brutal movie (laughs) there i don't know if there's any other word to best describe it and because of that like you you talked about watchability um, or engagement ability. And I think this would be a very hard movie for some people to engage with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to enjoy drama. Um, you have to be okay with uh, violence. And even more than violence, just the general attitude and aesthetic of this movie from how it is shot um, to the framing of it, to the color palette of it, to everything about it is brutal i don't i don't know how else to say mm-hmm. it um for me that is not a negative obviously it's in my top 10 it's number six <laughs> uh, for the year some people it would be very hard for them to watch i think um but i think it was really well done i i really appreciate robert eggers movies i i just think he's i think he is very good at establishing and carrying out a vision mm-hmm. and the movie had a clear vision. And I think if you asked him, I think he would say that having the descriptor of it be brutal was exactly what he wanted um, because that's what came across. So that's what I have at number six for my list for the year of the Northman. Uh, number six for me comes in Elvis. Elvis came in at number six. Um, Austin Butler, fantastic performance. Um, we will probably be revisiting Austin Butler when it comes around for Oscar time. Um, but uh, excellent job. I think the length is a little bit of a detractor on Elvis. I think um, that decreases its watchability a little bit. Um but uh, the way it transforms of his character from the early days to the later days, I, th- I think was really, really well done. 
And uh, I can't say I'm an actual Elvis music fan, but you all know the songs. Everyone knows the songs. Everyone's heard the songs. So when you engage with them in that way, um, it's almost like uh, I'll like a lot of stuff. I like a lot of music live that I wouldn't listen to on CD <laughs> or digital now, as it were. Uh, it's a it's a similar with this I, when I'm engaging with the film and the music in the film like this uh, I'm a much bigger fan of it in that, in that way uh, so as we've seen lots of uh, music biopics coming out over the last few years this is going to end up as one of the better ones that came out but not quite good enough in this for me to make my top five <clears throat> fair enough that's unsurprisingly also my list, but in my top five. Yeah. Yeah. It was close because I, I will talk about some of them. I, there were a couple that I was on the borderline. So this could have easily shifted up two two spots on the, on the list. The, my four, five, and six were all very, very close in terms of uh, what separated them. Uh, so it could easily have been in my top five. All right. Well, that is the first half of our best of 2022. Uh, make sure you check out us next week when we will finish off our list with our top five. This will then appear on the filmforfans.com website uh, for you to check out. And we'll do like a, a rundown of each of our lists on that front. All right. So let's move and conclude our show with our watch list. Movies that we've watched over the past week. Rob, what'd you watch? So I have a little bit longer than a week because I was not on the podcast last week true. Uh, due to some pain in my back. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, no. <laughs> uh, not being able to move is not really that fun. Um, Definitely not. So going back a couple weeks, um, I finally actually got around to watching and I think you'll be surprised to know I haven't actually watched this until the other week. But I finally watched old. I hadn't actually seen it. Ah, yet. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um so I really like M. Night Shyamalan, as people know. Um this movie just I it did not connect with me the mm. way some others have. I could feel and see what he was trying to make you feel and be scared about, but it didn't hit it hit the mark for me mm. um i don't think it was a bad movie mm -hmm. i just i've liked several of his other movies more um i don't think it was anywhere near as bad as like the happening was um i don't know if it was on the same level as like a signs maybe somewhere in there um but it it didn't reach like his top tier of movies mm -hmm. in my um yeah what are you what are your thoughts uh on old i know you've also seen it yeah it's uh i liked it overall i mean it's it's a it's it's a weird film in that i i don't know if he was going for actual like scary as much as he was going for i'm trying to find the right word for it but it's like um he was going to he was trying to make you feel very unsettled mm. almost not quite disturbing but very I, unsettled like disquieting would be yeah 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it it sticks right in that realm where it's disquieting, you know, discontenting. Like you just feel like there's like a tension. There's a tension level in it, but it's a middling, it's 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 a medium tension level. And so it's just you feel this sense of discomfort the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that's it's a different kind of genre to go for. You don't see a lot of people trying to hit that chord specifically and so um i found it engaging and interesting from that particular standpoint of it was an interesting and unusual tone for a movie of that type yeah i also um also this week i watched the first movie in my resolution list which was to watch something that someone picked for me and so i watched jeremiah johnson starring robert redford have you seen this movie? I have not seen this one. This so, one came out what mid seventies. Yeah, um, it's like two. It's like almost three hours long. Um, the movie actually has an a, an overture at the beginning, mm. um, an intermission <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> um, have you seen when you were a kid? Did you watch the live action Disney Davy Crockett movies? Oh, I don't know if I ever watched those. <laughs> so if you've, for those of you watching or listening, if you've ever watched those movies, I would describe this as adult Davy Crockett. So hmm. uh, it was essentially following Robert Redford around for two and a half hours as this guy, as mountain man in the mountains, um, killing things, being hunted by Indians, killing a bunch of Indians. Um, it was v- incredibly character driven. Uh, I thought Robert Redford did an admirable job as the character. I don't think this is a movie that I would want to watch a whole bunch of times, but I'm glad that I saw it at least once. Um, So Jeremiah Johnson, um, I would recommend watching it uh, for sure. And then uh, the other one, there were, there was probably about 10 movies I watched since the last time we talked about watching movies, but, (laughs) The other one I'll highlight um, was another Netflix movie, The Pale Blue Eye. Mm. Uh, we had talked about um, being interested in coming out with Christian Bale um, playing a detective and Edgar Allan Poe being a main character in the movie. And Edgar Allan Poe is actually played by um, the kid who played uh, Dudley Dursley from uh, uh, the Harry Potter movies. Oh, interesting. And he's been in a couple other Netflix movies. He was the bad guy in The Old Guard. Um, he has also been in a few other movies for them. And uh, he's a pretty good actor, I have to say. And considering that he was cast in that series as like the annoying fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's quite a career resurgence for him. And I'm happy for him to see him getting those opportunities because he is a legitimate actor. And I think this was a very good movie. It did not make my top 10 list or my honorable mention for the year. Um, I think it did technically come out the end of 2022. Um, but it, it was is definitely worth checking out if you have Netflix. Obviously, I love Christian Bale and pretty much everything he's in. And he does a really good job as the tortured detective in this movie also. So those are just a few that I watched this week. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Uh, So the one main one that I got to watch this week, um, I started following on Twitter, a, uh, an account called weekly movie challenge. 
Uh, so if you're looking for uh, a resolution or if you're looking for like a format to help you pick what movie to decide, uh, check out Weekly Movie Challenge. Uh, each week he comes out with a new challenge of something to watch that that week. And this week the challenge was uh, watch a movie that begins the and then is only two words long. The title begins the and is only two words long. So The Godfather, good. Um, the Social Network, not good because that's three words. Uh, so I chose to watch The Fountain. Uh 2006 movie by Darren Aronofsky. Uh, this would be on my all-time underrated list um, because I think it's just an absolutely beautiful, brilliant film. And uh, very few people have seen it. And it it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Everything about this movie is, is incredible. Um, it spans kind of three different, there's kind of three different timelines in it. And the the way they integrate the three timelines visually is spectacular. And the soundtrack to this is one of the best movie soundtracks I've ever heard. Um, I listened to it today, actually, when I was working. Um, it's haunting. It's it's captivating. It's engaging. It's everything about this is great. Hugh Jackman, and Rachel Weisz are the main characters basically uh he is a he is a cancer research doctor and his wife has a brain tumor and he's trying to rush to develop a new a new drug uh to a new treatment plan that would potentially save his wife's life uh so the main theme of this movie is trying to wrestle with the concept of death and um the, the layers uh, do it so, so well. And it's so rich and intricate and it's only an hour and 36 minutes long, mm. which is something that, and this, I didn't mention this on the trends, but the trend of the longer movie where we keep pushing two hours, 45, three hours. And this movie is an example of how you can tell a rich, dense story and it doesn't need to be two hours and 45 minutes. It doesn't need to be three hours. You can do it if you do it right. You can do it in a shorter time frame. So The Fountain from 2006. Uh, if you get a chance, check it out. You probably have to rent it because it's not on any streaming services. Yeah, I would co-sign that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a second on this, I did not realize that I did not have this on like at least a Blu-ray level of high definition. Mm. Add a full screen DVD. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is not acceptable. So I, while I was watching, I immediately bought bought the Blu-ray of it, and to have it shipped because I'm like, no, I cannot, I cannot have a full screen DVD of one of my favorite movies. Nice, yeah. All right, well, that is the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for checking out the Film for Fans podcast. Make sure you stay up with FilmForFans.com as we will have a lot of our year-end movie content coming out as well as some fun stuff we have coming up in the rest of 2023. Uh, make sure you tell your friends about the podcast, rate, subscribe, watch on YouTube, all that good stuff. Until next time, enjoy the movies.